0: Weekend is going great so far. It's been fantastic. Um, I do appreciate um, the, the tone that has been set. I hope um, you know. Again, church is a weird place uh, on Sunday. It, it, it is a weird place. It's like I mean, honestly, you may have the experience of of coming to church, and that's like the most pressure filled place you you go to all week. Sometimes you know because you. Like, there's this sense that, that, man, you're a church, and you have to kind of be a certain way. And, I'm like, I'm going to ask you to behave. Please do that, you know. But, but the, like, there's this idea in our head, like, this is where we go, and we look like Christians. We come together. And, and this is a place where, man, I would never want anybody to know all the junk in my life. And what would people think? And, and there's all of that that gets packaged into, like, Christian church. We come together, and so I don't know how you feel in different ways. And you know, it's like Ben was sharing, kind of like whatever your day or your week has been. Uh, one of my favorite things we've been talking about gospel, and one of my favorite favorite aspects of that is is that um, there isn't anything that you can do to get God to love you more than He does right now. And, and sometimes that's such a profound thought. Because we don't really think in terms of that. We oftentimes think in terms of, man, if I've messed up or dropped the ball or something like that, like all of a sudden he loves me less. But the crazy part of that, the inverse of what I just shared is, is there isn't anything that you have done that can make him love you less. All right? And, and, and those are the kind of things that, that listen, they, they preach fine from up front, okay? But the, the goal isn't to just preach it out there. It's meant to like sink in like that reality, okay? And that's what we just got to share in with communion is this idea, if those statements weren't true, then the cross can't be true, All right? And so so again, hopefully uh, when we're gathering together, uh, whenever it is, I hope you feel like the pressure's off, you know, that you can take a deep breath. We're gonna be in our Bibles, in the book of Romans. We're starting a journey that I don't know when this journey's gonna end, okay? I mean, we literally started last week. And we're going to be preaching through every letter that Paul has written in the New Testament, okay? And um, and, and so again, I don't know, I don't have an end date to this thing, so um, we're not in a rush, okay? Our goal isn't to see how quickly we can memorize all of the fantastic scriptures, but I will say this, okay? If you're familiar, which I, if you've ever had a really hard Physically laborious day, or you've worked out, or you've played sports, and you you know it's been a, a training session, and you just feel you ever feel like your muscles are just tight and sore because you've used them, right? You you've all felt that before, except Stefan. He probably never felt that before, <laughs> but, but everyone else has, you know. Where um, you just feel because you've used your muscles. Here's the thing that I think is most exciting about going through these letters is. Um, it's going to stretch us out to to know how to handle our Bible. Okay, and what I mean by that is, is I, I do, I don't mind, I think it's great to have Bibles. I use my phone Bible all the time. It's awesome because you have all of these versions at the tip of your fingertips right there. And you go and see the Greek and all that kind of stuff. But I will tell you, man, it's hard to beat just having a paper version of the Bible like right in front of you to be able to see that Like when you put your eyes on it, um, you know, sometimes you look at it and you go, man, that's one big book, except it's not one book. It's 66 books. It's, a, it's Actually, it's a library. It's like if you were to go to your public library or campus library or whatever, you would find, if you picked out 66 books, okay, it's just, they're condensed. That's not a lot of information. You know, that, that's not huge. When you're talking about people writing a book about God... Go, you know, man, goodness gracious, this is about the size of the sixth Harry Potter books. Okay. Which <laughs> that's fine too, but you know. Nothing wrong with Harry Potter. I just need to say that we're on Facebook everyone, man, he's anti Harry Potter. No, I like Harry Potter. It's good. Okay. The Bible's better though. I will say that. And, and and here's the deal is is that as a people, we're talking about Jesus communities and and the, the premise where this is coming from is that we view church the way that like Jesus and the prophets and the apostles and all envisioned it as communities of God followers. People who come together, not just for today, but that we are doing seven day a week life together. Right. That you have those relationships where people know the best and the worst. Right that we walk, and this is our this is God's word. This is what guides us and teaches us. How do you live life, right? And unfortunately, in our world today, the Bible has like such a negative, like just people view it so negatively from a standpoint of just like man, it's, it's this book of do's and don'ts, and it's like oppressive and all of these different things. And God, man, that's exact opposite of what we have here, right? These we're learning. There's two things that I think uh, would be great for us to take from this. is number one, left on our own, we do not know how to do life well. No one, not a soul. okay? So if you're saying, well, I kind of do, no, you don't. Like stop that right now, okay? Understand, that's an invasive thought that must be left alone, okay? All right? Let that be. And here's the truth. The matter is is, is our father does know how to do life. And he is teaching us and giving it to us here in his words. And so, um, so again, when I say we're going to be stretched a little bit is, is we're going to be, like, stretched to understand dates, as exciting as that is. You know, you're like, man, there's nothing I like more than knowing about dates, except we do like dates. You, if you think about it, what day is your birthday? What day is Christmas. What day is Thanksgiving? We love dates when it comes to us. All right? When did I meet my spouse? When did I get married? When did I... Like, we're okay with it, but the reason why it's important here is I don't want us to lose sight of the fact that we're talking about real people in real places in real times. Uh, This isn't fiction. It's not fantasy. I think that's been one of the things that I've heard more over the past couple years with The Chosen coming out, is people go, whoa, I've always pictured it as like this fictional thing that i'm reading but wow that's actually real people you know not that the actors are the real people but you you get what i'm saying right is as you get this and unfortunately we haven't worked our bible muscles out that much to be able to go hold on a minute we're going to be reading a letter to these christians who live in rome and the way paul writes Paul is going to be talking about things that happened hundreds of years before and things that are going to require us to kind of, like, learn to use, again, our, our Bible muscles a little bit, okay? And that's okay. If You you may be sitting here going, oh, man, this is a tad bit overwhelming. That's all right. Listen, physical activity can be overwhelming at times, okay? Like, working out our muscles is overwhelming. That's how you get stronger, okay? And so um, we're going to be digging into this if... If you weren't able to hear last week, we did start at the beginning of Romans 1, and we can't go back and and kind of redo that, but you can go and listen to that, I would encourage you to do it if you didn't get a chance to. Um, But let's take a look here. Um, I like this quote by Bill Hybels, okay, as we talk about Jesus' communities. He says, nothing on earth has greater potential to change lives and carry out his kingdom work in your community than your local church. There's nothing like the local church when it's working right. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking. Its potential is unlimited. Nothing on earth is like the church. Nothing even comes close. And, and again, we're trying to like have a paradigm shift away from that's a group or when you're looking for churches, like in a, in, in a, college town. It's the idea of, man, I'm going to go look for a church, and that means I'm going to go look somewhere, and I want to know what they do on Sunday. Except there's something totally different. And what we're talking about is is Paul is talking to people who don't go to church in Rome. They are the church in Rome. All right? That's who he's describing here. So, Romans, we're going to knock out this chunk. I think we will today. If not, we'll, we'll break it up. I mean, like I said, we're not in a in, in a rush, but like, get ready. To take this in, okay? Uh, Romans one eighteen. I want you to pay attention. We're going to go through this. There's a little bit of an exercise that I think will help us as we read Paul's letters. Okay, I highlighted these words, right? Here. Okay, four, four, four. Because four, but so, right? All of those. This is vitally important in reading Paul's writings because if not. It becomes so overwhelming and there's so much information. And then we start not knowing why is he saying this? Why is this important for the Christians in Rome in like the late 40s A.D.? Why is this so important that they hear this? Why? Why is he writing about these things? And and, and so we have two jobs, more than that really, but like just sitting here to read this is Number one, reading this and trying to get an idea of, okay, what did the original recipients, like what did they hear? That's a vital importance, okay? And then secondarily, this is going to tell a story to you as well. And I'm not talking about a subjective story that means something different. I mean, we're going to find ourselves in a group that we may go, Paul is speaking directly to me right here. Right? And so, just listening through this, and so we're going to start out in Romans 1, verse 18. Okay, we just got done with the section where Paul says, I'm, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Okay? It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all the ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So, We're not going to stop at every sentence here, but I want you to start asking yourself the question, like, okay, why is he writing this? Why will they need to hear this? Okay, because there are these truths here, and as we're studying our own Bibles, training ourselves to slow down enough to get an idea of what his train of thought is. So he's saying, so he's saying for, or therefore, because of the wrath of God is revealed from heaven, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Okay, so when you see ungodliness or you see unrighteousness, right, oftentimes he's talking about relational unrighteousness. Oftentimes he's talking about the wrath of God is being revealed to the ungodly and the unrighteous, meaning just here's just the plain truth. In our own selfishness and arrogance and narcissism, what we do in this world is we treat people horribly. That's what we do. And he says, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against these things. Like there is right now, that happens, okay? And again, we're going to start to see a, a line of thinking here, okay? So, for the wrath of God is revealed... Um, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth, for what can be known about God is plain to them. Okay, watch these connecting words. Because God has shown it to to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made So they are without excuse. So hopefully we're beginning to think like, man, okay, is, you know, for me and you, do we believe that to be true? He's saying actually there's nobody with any excuse. There's no one with any excuse to not understand and follow God's ways because his eternal power is and his invisible attributes and his divine nature have been clearly perceived since the creation of the world. Right? That's pretty fascinating, okay? Because you can think of a lot of amazing things that happen, but he's saying, no, it's actually any human being. Like, you don't have an excuse. Like, look around you. Like, just look at what happens in nature. Look at what happens in our world. Just by simple things. I mean, when you look at, if you were a farmer... And you were farming the fact that there were seasons and crops and rain and there was, I mean, all kinds of these things. I mean, when you just think of, if you were to take a step back and see how God created the earth, right? And you start to see that, man, how do you get that rain down on earth? Right? And then how do you get, man, you have rivers and oceans and you have all these things. And then he made these beautiful green plants that we exhale carbon dioxide and they give us oxygen in return. Right there is no human There's no human understanding that can possibly like come to a place where we would go. Oh yeah, that's just chance that that happens, or or somebody invented that. It's beyond that. Okay, he's saying like, here's what happens: is his invisible attributes, his eternal power, since the creation of the world. He goes, so there was that excuse for although they knew God. They didn't honor him as God. Or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking. Right? So again, what we're trying to do is follow Paul's train of thought. He's starting out and he's saying, Hey, the wrath of God is revealed. But by the way, humanity has no excuse. Right? If you took a step back and just took a, a look, you'd go, man, this God is powerful and wonderful and amazing. And we haven't even, like, the, the attributes that we often don't. Like, give to God of just the attributes of beauty and majesty and all of these things, right? It's like, no, you have no excuse. Do you believe that you could know God and not honor him or give thanks to him? You think that could be a possibility? Because here's the interesting thing about those words those words are active lifestyle words. It doesn't mean honoring him like, like just verbally honoring him or, or verbally being grateful is like, no, a lifestyle honoring and giving gratitude to God. That's what he's saying is, is there are people and there are people. And this is what human beings do naturally is they can go, yes, I know God, but I do not or I will not honor him or be grateful for him. And so there becomes this process of becoming Futile in your thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened claiming to be wise they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. That sounds creepy. Okay? That people would do this. Here's what I'm going to ask us not to do. Is don't take yourself so deeply into this where you going oh man, what on earth? Like, um, Like, what are these things that resemble mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things? Right? We're going to come back to that. But I want you to just get this idea of what he's saying is is there's a process that happens to human beings. Is we can acknowledge God, not honor him, not be grateful for him in a lifestyle perspective. And we become futile in our thinking. And our hearts become darkened, and we start to think we know what's right. That may be the most this is the thing, that may be the most alarming and scary thing we'll read in the scripture is the idea of claiming to be wise, they became fools. He's just describing what happens to human beings in this process. So there's a point that he's saying, no, you slowly become futile in your thinking, except you think you're doing the right thing. Here's why that's difficult. How do you break free from that? Like if I think I'm right, and I think like my opinions are right, and I think what I'm doing is right, and I'm convinced of it, that's a dark place to be. But he's saying, like, okay, follow this this line of thinking. Here's some more connecting words. Therefore, okay, therefore, why? Well, they exchange, they claim to be wise. There's this note up here, Acts chapter seven. Verse thirty-seven through forty-three. You can go write that down in your notes, okay? And what that passage is is going to help kind of fill this out as you're studying, okay? And what that is a passage from is Stephen, who was one of the early Christians. Before he was killed, he gave this plea and he gave this kind of lesson to the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin about the history of Israel. And he describes this happening exactly to the Israelites. Okay, so if I'm a uh, if I'm a Jewish Christian reading this, I, I would be thinking, "Oh my goodness, my ancestors! They did this when they were leaving Egypt, and they were in the desert. They didn't honor God. They didn't give Him gratitude." In fact, they made something that was a creature they made to worship rather than God himself. All right? That's that section right there. And why I put it up there is so it kind of fills it out to, an, to, to a Jew reading this. They would go, we've seen this happen in our, in, in our families. Our history has proven this to be true. Like this is what people do. We stop honoring Him. We stop giving Him gratitude. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. All right. That, that's a fantastic summary line right there. Like, what is he getting at? This is what human beings do, right? And and now let's start like making some connecting points. When we start asking the question, like, well, why is it important that Christians know this? Why is it important that we're aware of this like downward spiral of humanity when we stop honoring God and giving him gratitude? Because now all of a sudden we realize, wow, our nature is to worship and serve the creature over the creator that's mine and yours nature that's what will make the most sense to us in when we start like trying to figure life out here okay and so he says this now again I'm just gonna like put some things in your mind here. Oftentimes we 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 look at therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts. We immediately think like he's speaking of something sexual, okay? In this section, he isn't. Okay, he's talking about like the deepest, he gave them up to the deepest desires of their hearts for impurity. Impurity is just anything that is not godlike. He's going, therefore, like, okay, guys if we want to worship something else and we want to honor something else and we want to make like, you know, like worship the creature rather than the creator, he said, okay, listen, I'm going to let you do that. So I want you to ask the question, why would he do that? If he knew that this is going to be so destructive but this is so important, but why would he do that? For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, okay? For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error, okay? So this is typically where we like shift and we like go into a lesson on homosexuality and gay marriage and all of these things. And here's what I'm going to say, okay? And it is follow the line of thinking here. All right? I think what he's describing is pretty clear. All right? I don't think we need to like over express like what he's describing here sexually. But understand something, all right? This is not something that like, oh, maybe like, different people may struggle with. He's saying, no, this is what happens to human beings when we lose sight of honoring and being grateful to God. All of a sudden, when you have, so for instance, let me explain it this way. We don't live in a culture that is a Christian culture. It may seem weird to say, like, if you've lived in Clemson, you're like, no, like everyone in Clemson's a Christian. Okay? No, 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 no. Now, but here's the interesting thing: our nation, our greater like, if you just take the state of South Carolina, the United States of America, the Northern Hemisphere, the Western whatever, however you take it, we are post what's called post-Christian. Okay, what that means? Okay, if you go back to the '50s and '60s, '40s, '50s, '60s, you wonder what? You would be hard pressed to find a household that would say they aren't Christian that didn't mean that they were Christians okay but they would say no we follow the philosophy of Christianity in fact it would be amazing if you knew families that were from another world religion or atheist or something like that the, the, the social like like norm was Christianity yeah. We're well beyond that. <laughs> Right? don't ever assume that everybody just knows like what the Christian language is. Okay, we are well beyond that. Okay, and so uh, again, we're ta- we're looking at this and we're going, man, I think we see this in our world. Mm-hmm. Is once we and now h- here's the crazy thing. So the people were like that he's talking about. They're making idols that look like cows and maybe goats and all these kind of things. Here's the true idol, though. It's in the shape of me and you. That, that, understand that. That's the true idol. All right? That's worshiping. That, that's what is the greatest temptation of all of us. And what ends up happening is once you have enough time passed and the population grows more and more, where that's the norm, like worshiping humanity, now all of a sudden... Every passion we have has to be okay. Wow. And that's where we find ourselves now. And unfortunately, here's the sad part, man. Unfortunately, everything's been so politicized Mm -hmm. that we can't even talk about what the Bible's saying anymore. And I don't mean because somebody's going to get you in trouble. I mean it's the idea of we automatically think in terms of, of politics. And we automatically think in terms of, well, I don't know, is he is he a Democrat up there? Or is he a conservative? Or is he like, where is he coming from? And here's what I'm saying that Paul is describing to us is that, listen, once a people group, they lose the kind of anchor and they stop honoring God and being grateful for him and how they live. There is a spiral to deep darkness. Yeah. And God is saying, fine, you want to know what? I'm going to let you have that. Okay. And we're living, I think, in a time where God has said, I'm going to let you have that. And there's a purpose for it. Mm -hmm. And so here's the interesting thing is, is whatever your opinion is on like homosexuality or same sex marriage or whatever these things are, whatever that is, right? Understand something is, is we have been conditioned by our culture that if you're passionate about something, it must be okay. But we have we have isolated our passions to sexual passions. Yep. I right, mean, would you would you be okay with me just irately lashing out at somebody physically because I got angry? Would we be okay with that? Would you go, man, he's fine. Oh. He's, he's good, he's expressing himself. That's how God built him. No. I mean, listen, our bodies, here's the crazy thing. Rewind about 10 minutes ago when we were talking about this amazing creation of God. Our bodies are amazing creations. Yeah. And man, we are a cocktail of hormones and neurotransmitters and, and we got a nervous system that's like lit up, man. Okay? And, and here's the thing is the last thing any of us should want is a culture that says, "Hey, if you feel it strongly enough, dude, it's okay." Mm. Okay, there's no part of that that we should want in our in our culture. Okay, right. And so again, here's where I think we have matured, and one of the areas that I feel like just so proud of our community here is oftentimes when we're talking about these issues, what the pushback is is so you're saying that we can treat people poorly who are struggling with these. Okay? And I think that in the past 10 years, we have made leaps and bounds differences going, no. There is nothing that we're reading here that deputizes Christians to go hating people, treating them differently, not welcoming them in. There's nothing about that. Right? But... We have to look at the scripture and go, okay, here's the deal, man. From the beginning of time, God's sexual ethic has been under attack in the world. It it has, okay? Here in Rome, it doesn't take long in reading about Romans, like just the state, as well as Caesar himself, to know that it is a depraved society. It doesn't take much to, to know our world is depraved. When it comes to these things, okay? And so, again, if we're, we're listening with ears to hear and eyes to see, we're saying God is telling, like through Paul, he's going, listen, there's a, there's a descent here. Mm -hmm. And you may find yourself like going, man, I'm right there at that place, right? There's good news ahead. That's what I'll say about that, right? But how important it is for the church to be united in this. And he says, and all of these things, and just as they didn't see fit to acknowledge God, again, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do what shouldn't be done. And again, don't overly read everything sexual about this. He's literally saying to do what should not be done, anything that should not be done. Right. Okay? They are filled with this is what? Okay, so, this descent that we've been on, when he's like, hey, when you stop honoring God and stop giving Him. gratitude and that's not your life and that's what happens you forget about him and you start living according to your own passions and you start worshiping yourself and other people he says here's what else happens that they're turned over and they're filled with every kind of unrighteousness it doesn't take us long to read the news to see what every kind of unrighteousness looks like in our world okay we hate people really well that's one of the things we do as humans. You don't have to teach us how to hate well. Okay? Every kind of unrighteousness and wickedness and coveted- covetousness. Right? Then being filled with every kind of covetousness. of Like, I just want lots of things and I don't even know why. Except I'm empty. That's really why. Yeah. Malice. They're rife with envy and murder. And strife, and deceit, and hostility. That's the top ten of Netflix right there. Okay, go and look at your top ten of Netflix. They might be the titles right there. Okay, because that's what we're most used to seeing. All right, is this, and we don't realize, man, this is a part of a descent of humanity that God is going, man, I'm trying to put the brakes on this thing, not revel in it, Okay. They're gossips and slanderers and haters of God and insolent and arrogant and boastful, contrivers of all sorts of evil, disobedient to parents, senseless, covenant breakers, heartless and ruthless. And here's that, again, although they fully know God's righteous decree. Right? We're talking about people that should know God, have known God, and they know his righteous decree, okay? We're not talking about some community of people that have never heard about this before, okay? And he's saying that they know that those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only do them, but also approve of those who practice them. All right, let that sink in for a second. Like that we could get to a place And just, again, I'm just asking you to take some inventory in your own life to where you could live in a way. I remember living that way. I mean, I grew up knowing certain things to be right about God. And I remember living in a way so opposed to that, and the people I wanted around me were people that were doing that with me. Can you imagine, like, so here's the interesting thing. In order for us to do that, to fully know God's righteous decrees and understanding there's a penalty for unrighteousness, for us to do them, but not just us, but to approve of others to do it, can you imagine like how hard we have to make our hearts to live with that? When I say hardness of heart, I mean we have to come up with a justification. We have to come up with a reason that allows us to be okay living that way, okay? And so it's like slowly hardening. That's why one of the most important principles is like today is gonna be the easiest day to deal with our hearts. Because tomorrow it's gotta get a little harder to keep living this way. And the next day, and the next day, okay? Therefore, He says this, you have no excuse, oh man, every one of you who judges, right? Could you imagine hearing this letter for the first time with this letter? Let's say the Roman Christians got together and, you know, brother whoever got up and he said, we're going to read this letter from brother Paul. And could you imagine him going through that first chapter and there are people sitting in the audience going, heck yeah, man those people need to figure it out. I can't believe people would live like that. Man, I can't believe the the debauchery that people know. And just like, amen, amen, like I'm with Paul, okay? And then he goes, therefore, you have no excuse, every one of you who judges. (laughs) I mean, there's a screeching halt in the room at that point want to hear what's next. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because another connected word, you, the judge, practice the very same things. Is that possible? Is that possible to, to hear the Word of God and be so opinionated and condemning and judgmental and it's the exact things we do. Of course it's possible. And I would probably say there isn't a soul amongst us that doesn't know what that's like. Right? Right? Because here's the interesting thing. And part of this idea of, by God, being judgmental and condemning, it can can be a very convenient smokescreen. Because if I'm that guy, then you would never think. (laughs) He says, because you, the judge, practice the very same things, we know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. And here's the questions that bring it all together for us. Do you suppose, oh man, you who judge those who practice such things, and yet you do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? You got to let that one kind of settle in for a little bit of going, whoa. Because the answer to that, this rhetorical question is, yeah, I kind of do think that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if I judge something, even if I do it, at least I'm halfway right by judging it. Just, do you think you will? Do you think that you can be judgmental? Now, now again, I, this is what I always kind of preface. We start using the J word here, judgment. Hmm. Okay? Th- listen, the righteous use of that word is not for you to go, I'm not going to ever judge anybody. That way I can kind of do whatever I want. Like, It's not saying that, that it's just, it's okay if you don't make a judgment. He actually is saying that, no, God has already got broad judgment. He's saying when we have a condemning, arrogant, like I'm, I'm disgusted that you would do such things. Now, certainly, there are activities and sin and all of those things that not everybody partakes in the same. But but you don't know what there's a bucket they all come from. <laughs> there's a bucket that they all come from, and so the minute we start like judging, like all the I'm going, do you do you honestly not understand that just selfishness and pride and arrogance, like that's the bucket all of these things are coming from. So he's saying. Do you suppose, I mean, for the church, he's, he's, he's asking the whole church, like, stop and examine yourself here, because that's what's so important. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Listen, that's good news right there. Okay? Because again, where we started, he said the wrath of God is being revealed. Like, that's happening. The wrath of God. Like, when we choose to live in a way that's unrighteous or ungodly, listen, relationships are destroyed, people are destroyed, you're miserable, you're full of anxiety, you're full of depression, all of these things, okay? And he's saying, but here's the deal. Yeah, you want to know what? If you've been living this way, God has said, I do, yeah, go have it. You go. But here's the deal. There's this Patience and kindness that God is going, listen, I'm leaving them around. I'm leaving them around because perhaps, okay, and and some of us have this experience in our life, is life got so bad and the consequences of how me and you were living were so desperate that that's what made us turn and go, "I, I need to find something else, all right, like the way I've been living, my relationships, and all of those things are so terrible. Okay. That's what he's talking about. Yeah. He's going, perhaps, that they'll taste this and drink this, and it'll become so putrid that they'll go, I need to find something else. That's God's kindness and his patience in the midst of that. It's this idea of I'm turning him over, but I have a purpose for it. Because they're not listening to me right now. But but I'm going to let them experience what they think they want in the hopes that they turn back. But here's what he said. But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself. On the day of wrath, when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He's he's demonstrating that just that idea of like that hard heart of going, no, I'm fine. I don't need to understand this. All in all, here's the interesting thing, is what Paul is describing to us here is this idea of God going, listen, I'm trying to give my people freedom. Like, I want them to be free. And what freedom encapsulates is like healthy relationships. And a healthy relationship requires us to not be about ourselves, okay? And healthy relationships need to be about the righteousness of God. Like, I'm trying to give my people such goodness, and what do human beings, and what do we do naturally, is there's a temptation to harden our heart. And that may even look like, I'm not looking into this. I'm not interested in changing. I'm not interested in growing. You remember a couple weeks ago, um, in uh, yeah Romans 1, we, we took a little bit of a jump step out ahead of us. So we're in Romans 1, but we looked at Romans 12 because it this letter is amazing. It's gonna blow your mind. By the time we get to chapter 16, your mind will be blown. Hopefully before that, okay? But the truth of the matter is, is he has this like jump forward in Romans 12, like don't conform yourself any longer to the pattern of the world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we jumped forward, we looked at that. We're gonna do it again here at the end of this section, okay? Later when Paul would write to Romans 13. He says, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. All right. This is Paul, like, getting the church going, hey, it's time to wake up. For salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Like, every day, we're getting closer to Jesus coming back, okay? And again, don't. uh, That's a good thing. That's a good thing. If in your mind you're reading that, like, "Hey, salvation is near now," then when we first believed, you're going, "Oh gosh, it's almost time for Jesus to come and really like wield the sword." Or going, "No, that's really good because that's our hope and our, our our that's what we want more than anything is to just Jesus come back and make this all new again." Okay, the night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then. Let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. So, so think about this. With what, with what we just read, he's saying, man, the night is far gone, the day is at hand. Let us cast off the works of darkness. Like there's this contrast between God is light and the world is dark. All right, and he's saying, no, like bring this into the light. Let's, let's, let's like embrace that. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, all right? Like all of those in that list right there are terrible relationships, okay? Like there is nothing about it that's any good, all right? He says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Okay? It's this idea of going, you know, if, if he were to talk to us and say, hey, Clemson Foothills Church, here's the deal. You're full of passions. Human beings are. Right? The minute we stop, like, in our striving to be grateful and to honor God and how we live, i.e., how we treat one another, how we love our neighbor. When that stops, understand, a process begins that is out of your hands, right? Meaning like you can't, you you don't get to like navigate it, is you begin a process of slowly but surely worshiping yourself and other created things, other things in our world, right? There's really kind of like the four big ones, like us, money, power, and sex. That's kind of the root that they all come up from. He's like, listen, this is what's happening is you're on this slide and that you may be living in a place where God has said, you want to what? go take it. For the simple fact of going, this is terrible. We all live in this. This isn't lost and saved. This is saved people where he's going, hey, you want to know what? Yeah, you want that? Go see how that, that goes for you. And you have lived, and disciples have lived this way before. You're like, this is miserable. It's terrible. My relationships stink. Because we've decided that our way is the better way. And so even even as a disciple, that's the temptation, right? And so again, he's just sharing like, yeah, you want to know what? As that spiral descends, the passions the things that seem so right and so real inside of you, you're going to want to express those more than anything. All right? And this thing is come back. All right? Come back. Be aware of that stuff, but get rid of those things, all right? So let us cast off the words of darkness and put on the armor of light. We're going to hit the brakes right there. That's a lot of stuff. It's overwhelming, man. I mean, it is. It, here's the truth. We can talk about it here, I have to implore us as a community that we have to be in this and breaking it down and studying it. There's no way, man, to, to isolate this to every single human in here, you know, you can't do that. I'm just imploring us as we go through this um, to follow along but really dig in um, and, and work together. On this. So let's pray. We're going to say a prayer and then the um, singers will come back up and, and, um, and we'll be done for the afternoon. Let's go to God. In prayer. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit clemsonfoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.